you have many people in this country, some in decision-making capacities, remember we're a global economy, who do not know the history of slavery. They do not know the history of Jim Crow. It's not properly taught in our schools. So they operate out of ignorance. And oftentimes that ignorance is what creates the barrier. Hey there, it's Deanne Gilbert. I've been in corporate diversity for over 15 years. And considering what's been going on in our world in many cities and states, there's an awakening going on around systemic racism, equality, and inclusion. I believe it's time to have a courageous conversation. And I think you can handle it. Join me and my co-host, Edward Simon, at the Diversity Intersection. We will certainly provide you some direction. See you there. Hey there, it's DM Gilbert with the Diversity Intersection, and we are so happy that you're here with us today. We're going to be talking about California and how California leads the way in diversity and has done for many years. We were scheduled to have the Honorable Gwen Moore to join us on our podcast, but unfortunately she passed away prior to the taping of the show. But we are graced to have some wonderful guests here to join us. So with us today is Timothy Allen Simon, Esquire, Commissioner Emeritus, was appointed to the California Public Utilities Commission by Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger on February 15, 2007, ending his term on December 31, 2012. Prior to this appointment, he served as Appointments Secretary in the Office of the Governor, the first African-American in California history to hold this post. Simon also served as an adjunct professor at the law of UC Hastings College of the Law and Golden Gate University School of Law, where he taught securities regulations and as an advisor of the School of the US Legal Studies on International Securities Regulations. Prior to public service, Simon was in-house counsel and chief compliance officer at advising at major financial institutions, including Bank of America, Robert Stevens, and Wells Fargo, specializing in securities, banking, and complex financial products. In 2013, Simon created TAS Strategies and serves as an attorney and consultant on high-stake areas that include energy, utilities, critical infrastructure, supplier diversity, transportation, financial services, and broadband projects. In February 2019, Simon was elected as chairman of the board of directors for the California Black Chamber of Commerce. Simon received a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of San Francisco, distinguished alumni, and Juris Doctorate from the University of California Hastings College of Law. With that, one, I think we uh, have a conversation with our guests. Let's jump right into it. Former Commissioner Simon, just, you know, Gwen wasn't, is not able to be here with us, but from your experience working with the Honorable Gwen Moore, in your opinion, what were the whys behind the creation of GO 156? I mean, with what's been going on in our country with race relations, um, you know, part two of that would be, why do you think we should try to replicate GO 156 nationally? Well, I believe the, uh, first of all, thank you. And let me um, extend my prayers and condolences to uh, Gwen's wonderful husband, Ron, and the family 
on the loss of this queen, uh, of this icon, of this giant of a woman and the multitudes of contributions that she made in the California legislature and the Los Angeles Board of Education. I, I can go on and on and on in her work with national legislative associations. Uh, she was, as we say in the sports world, a beast. And I mean this in uh, a very complimentary sense. Absolutely. And uh, we were we are all blessed to have been touched by her and, and her too short life. Geo uh, 156, I believe, began in, in terms of Gwen Moore's sponsorship around the legislative session of 87, 88. Mm -hmm. uh, this was before affirmative action came under attack under Prop 209. And, uh, you know, Gwen Moore, who was appointed chair of the Utility and Commerce Commission by one of my mentors, former mayor, former speaker, Willie Lewis Brown Jr. Uh, she saw, like many of the great legislators of that time, you, you look at the legislature and the legislative black caucus at that time, and you had Maxine Waters, Barbara Lee, Diane Watson. I can go on and on and on. And, uh, and of course, Willie Brown. And they looked at every avenue of the California economy and California legislation as opportunities to fully empower and engage African-Americans in that process. They, they inspired me when I became appointment secretary. I followed their rule book mm -hmm. to look at ways that we could break ceilings, break traditions. And Gwen Moore being the chair of this committee that oversees both the investor-owned and, by the way, the municipal right. uh, utility functions in the state, recognize that these entities have enormous uh, monopoly power, number one. There was no, we had not attempted direct access or competition on the electric side of the energy equation. Two, they had the power of eminent domain uh, and right-of-ways and other at matters that really sort of resembled government. That's why you have the inverse condemnation decision that's now plaguing our state. But right. you know, the courts recognize that these are very powerful entities that have the power by way of rates, the power to tax and the power to socialize cost. Mm -hmm. and, and Gwen Moore to her brilliance yes. saw this as an opportunity to help African-American and minority and service disabled veteran businesses to become greater empowered. And today, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. I would say even then, it had to be in the top 10 economies of the world. So You're probably right. She was a visionary and she, she was, was a visionary, but not only was she a visionary, she put her vision into practice. She walked the walk. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a lot of us have great visions, <laughs> great visions. I, I have them all day long, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but very few of us that's right. can honestly put that vision into legislation and change the economic opportunities for an entire generation mm -hmm. as Gwen Moore successfully did. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Now, we, as I said, like with that, with what's happening in our country and even most recently in race relations, do you think, do you believe, and maybe, maybe you don't, but I think, do you believe that we could possibly replicate what we've done with GO 156 on a national level to kind of level the playing field for suppliers and and communities. Do you think that we could do that? 
Uh, I do. I, I, when you say replicate, I think every state, you know, utility regulations are really what we call local actions or state right. matters. Every mm -hmm. state has their own public service and or utility commission and or utility board. Right. Uh, the only time the federal government typically becomes involved is when it is interstate and that is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission on the energy side and of course the Federal Communications Com Commission on the mm -hmm. telecom side. Um, so, but yes, I think the timing is right. There are many states that have followed California, like Maryland, like Illinois, Illinois mm -hmm. uh, you know, that are looking, I think Florida is has looked it, closely yes. at California as well. Michigan mm -hmm. has a function very similar. So to answer your question, yes, I think we can have a national general order 156. I just don't think it's going to look the same in every state. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. Of course. Right. So, so one of the things that we wanted to ask as well is, you uh, you were part of one of the most productive periods from a diversity, you know, as a diversity leader with the commission, with the California Public Utility Commission. Why do you think that was? Well, first off, thank you for that compliment and thank you for, for having me on the show. Uh, I think there are a lot of components that contributed to, I think, that very sex, successful run of uh, supplier diversity with the leadership of President Michael R. Peavy we put utilities into the billions you in did. terms of their supplier number. And we of course had the support for the most part of our other commissioners. So, so first I wanna credit uh, the great President Michael Peavy, arguably the greatest president in the history of the California Public Utilities Commission. I know he fell into some controversy I know there's nothing legitimately that he did wrong. Um, I do not run away from my friends. That's right. just how I am fundamentally. And, mm -hmm. and Mike Peavy is a big brother to me and a friend. I think the other factor is when I served as appointment secretary under Governor Schwarzenegger, he literally gave me a blank check when it came to the appointment of African-Americans and other minorities and women to key positions in government. That's my phone that keeps- That's okay, that's words. okay. Uh, it's my office phone and I'll, I'll try to silence it next time it comes on. Uh, but he, he gave me uh, really a blank check, me and my team in the appointments office as appointment secretary. So I knew when I came to the commission, not only from the appointments that Governor Schwarzenegger approved that I recommended, but from the many discussions that I had with him is that he was totally on board with the empowerment of African-Americans and minorities. He would complain to me that I wasn't bringing him enough uh -huh, in terms of appointments. And I nice. put every cousin, friend, and, and, and whatever I knew uh, in the pipeline. Uh, so when I arrived at the commission, I already knew that I was being backed by a governor that did not see diversity as anything radical, right. as anything different, okay? Right. Right. Uh, then again, again, Mike Peavy had already started to blaze that trail when I arrived. And as votes, there are five commissioners doing staggered six-year terms, completing of six-year terms. And the way the chips were falling at that time, I was a swing vote. Uh, I was a swing vote between some of the more uh, 
more liberal commissioners and mm -hmm. the more conservative commissioners. So it really wasn't on the issue of diversity or race. It came down to the utility framework. But I injected diversity into every element of the utility framework. You and did. I believe the, the utilities understood that if you were going to get my vote, <laughs> exactly. if you were going to get my support, then you better demonstrate that you have empathy and a monetary commitment to supplier diversity. And to the credit of the California utilities, some had to be wrestled a little more than others, but for the <laughs> most part, they they understood that a, a vote, me voting down one of their actions or, or filings was not worth them simply doing what as Americans we should do, and that's freedom, justice, and equality for all. That's right. And, and they understood that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we appreciate the, what you've done because Absolutely. you really were very impactful around the supply diversity space. And we are where we are because of that history. Right. If, if I could also say that I also had the shining light and the northern star of the Honorable Gwen Moore. Yeah. You did. Absolutely. Yes, you did. Uh, Gwen Absolutely. Moore would call me after a meeting and ask me to tone it down a little. <laughs> Tap it down. Because Gwen understood being as wise and as brilliant as she yeah. is, she's still with us. Yes. Absolutely. She she understood the long game. Okay. Absolutely. I wanted a home run on the first pitch. Right. But Gwen understood the long game, and so did Mike Peavy, by the way. And, and, and they were measuring over a much broader period in the industry than I was. I was, I was a newcomer to the industry. So I also had the benefit of, of Gwen calling me on a regular basis and talking to me about something that I had said. She would say, Timothy, I can't believe you said what you said. And I'd say, well, Gwen, I'd say, Gwen, but they're paying you to call me to talk about it. So I think, I think it was a win-win, right? Okay. That's right, that's right. And we had so, a great time. And yeah. it's so funny that you say that because, you know, we shared with her that we were doing this podcast. Yes. And she said, you better do it right. That's right. She said, and don't be afraid. She said, speak the truth. Right. Because when people start listening and they hear what you have to say, it needs to be valuable and impactful yeah. to the community. Absolutely. So when you said she's with us, she's absolutely with absolutely. us. I, I feel her all the time. I feel like I'm talking to her every day. Exactly. Absolutely. So since you transitioned out of government, you kind of didn't, but you kind of did. You know, you're not, you're not a currently a commissioner, but you're so heavily involved in the government in the state of California. What is TAS Strategies doing to bridge the racial divide, like considering your influence in the state of California? And I also know you have heavy influence in Illinois and other states as well. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, I, I sit on the board of the American Association of Blacks and Energy, Abe, the national board, as well as the California chapter board. Uh, and I'm involved in, with various, I'm a member of the Energy Bar Association, uh, I'm heavily involved with the American Gas Association and the Edison Electric Institute. And I've, I've either advised or participated in panels to help these organizations expand their ability to walk that walk as Gwen Moore did. And in some states, it's more difficult than others, quite frankly. And I, and I do agree that after the tragic lynching of St. George Floyd, a true martyr, um, uh, the I think many states and many people in the C-suites 
and then the regulatory bodies are reevaluating yes. where they really are on the issue of equity. They're understanding that the barriers that are in front of diverse businesses in the case of African-Americans really come from slavery. Mm -hmm. They come from Jim Crow. They come from the consistent efforts of legislators and local governing bodies to redline, not only in the area of housing, but in access to capital and other important elements. And this all was very much integrated into our nation's history. So I, I try to work with them in this regard. But another important area for me is for us to have our voice in the area of energy policy, in the area of telecom policy. And that voice is not always inconsistent with the shareholder value of that, of that proposition. I think that we are often hijacked. I was a Republican. I am no longer a member of that party and I support the, uh, the Lincoln Project. But uh, we're often hijacked by groups that assume that we think like them even though they don't talk to us. Absolutely. And so it's important to me to utilize a multitude. I'm, I'm involved with a group called uh, DCIAZ, which is very strong on infrastructure. I'm, I'm, I'm writing uh, opinion pieces as well as comments into federal legislation that supports infrastructure that creates jobs for us. And I know in some of those areas, I'm probably differing with mm -hmm. those who are, you know, left of center, new green deal types. Right. Their voice is important too, but that doesn't mean they speak for me. No. That doesn't necessarily mean they speak for my community. So I'm trying to, by way of TAS strategies, not only advise businesses on how to work with utilities and whether it's on the legal side or just the strategic advisory side, that's, that's, a, that's a journey in and of itself. But also whenever the opportunity arises, you know, and I represent majority and diverse businesses, so you I don't do. yes. I don't limit my my span or, or my scope there. But even with the majority-owned businesses that I represent, I talk to them about the importance of inclusion, whether if it's a tier two or tier three subcontractor, or you know, you, uh, engaging with community-based organizations to advance a certain proposition like energy efficiency or time of use. And then, of course, in my chairmanship of the uh, California Black Chamber of Commerce, you know, we have an amazing board of directors, amazing president Absolutely. Edwin Lombard, and we're yes. we're doing our level best to fight the fight of economic empowerment and justice in the fifth largest economy of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. So considering what's currently going uh, going on, not only in this country, but globally, which is the ampl amplification of diversity, uh, our actions, how we communicate, our behaviors, our thought processes, and how we interact. Please share with us your opinion on how to best optimize this moment in time to further advance supplier diversity ecosystem. Boy, that's, that, that's a big one because uh, <laughs> yes, as I yes. said as a commissioner, mm -hmm. uh, and I will say as a commissioner emeritus, uh, the needle will always go to the status quo. And I think you have to constantly push that needle towards uh, equity and justice. The critical point uh, in terms of majority businesses, publicly traded businesses, businesses that have these very influential board of directors, it's, it's advancing the business proposition of diversity. That's right. The fact that it is 
profitable. Yes. Um, I saw it most vividly. I, I think there was, I think Shaq O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal did a rap video and he wore a Burberry cap. Yes. And uh, the next week I'm walking around and everybody got a Burberry cap on. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And so it's clear that we are economic drivers as a culture, as a people. And I could say the same thing about our Latinx brothers and sisters and our, our Asian brothers and sisters and our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, our, our, our disabled service veterans, but we are economic drivers. The key is how are we empowered by that drive? And I, and I think businesses need to better understand that the more they engage us as business partners, as business suppliers, as board members, as senior officers, and by the way, entry level too, Absolutely. have environments that are equitable for all, that they will have a greater profit margin from that. And, and, and I do believe that businesses are finally seeing that. The thing that we have to do, uh, Ileana Van Zandt, I hope I, I said her name properly on the OWN channel. I read one of her books many years ago, and she said that the key, and this is in relationships, is telling the truth in a loving way. Yes. And we have to tell people the truth. Yeah, you have many people in this country, some in decision-making capacities, remember we're a global economy, who do not know the history of slavery. They do not know the history of Jim Crow. It's not properly taught in our schools. It's right? not. It's they not. don't know the reasons behind the Alamo and the yeah. fact that African-Americans fought on the side of Mexico because slavery had been abolished in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. To all our Latinx brothers and sisters out there. Okay. They shed blood for us. Right. And we can't forget that. And we right. in California are sitting in what was Khalifa. Okay. Mm -hmm. But see, a lot of people don't know that history. Right. They don't. And so they operate out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that ignorance is what creates the barrier. Yes, the initial barriers by our founders and their descendants were intended. They were intended to extend slavery beyond emancipation, basically. And continue to separate us. But exactly. then you have this rush of folks that come through Ellis Island and other ports of entry in this country who really don't know this. And so they're operating under the belief that you have blithe, you have economic depravity, you have all of these issues because of matters that are really not true. Okay. Exactly. So we empower utility executives by telling them the truth and understanding you may be walked to the door. Right. But right. this is a big economy. It's a big world. There are a lot of opportunities. Exactly. You telling the truth in a loving and concerned way will create opportunities for those who are walking in the door after you were walking That's out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And That's we exactly. Tough it decision. is. And we exactly. and you know and we That's had right. an earlier conversation with some of our colleagues who said it is it is the most courageous conversation to have right now. And it could impact your future and it this could be your past based on you know how that how it's received but you have to be courageous enough courageous and eloquent yes. messenger of this right. information and, because and, you shock people with some of it in fact in my practice as a securities attorney and even in my teaching there's a case that really establishes that when a compliance officer sees something done wrong they have to report it to the regulator and then resign that's the obligation. Wow. That's the obligation. 
tough oh, decision again. Tough decision, yes. exactly. But we, but we have to decide whether we're going to continue to support the status quo mm-hmm. or really make that change. And I believe the change is better for all society, Absolutely. including white folks, exactly, including the status quo. It's better. Mm-hmm. But we sometimes have to be in the position to teach them because of our life experience. Yes. In our historic experience and what we've been through and continue to go through, there is richness, there is wealth in that. And if there's anything that drives me, my practice and what I've been blessed to accomplish is listening to my ancestors and their direction on, on the decisions that we have to make going forward. They were extremely courageous. My, my mother was born on Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. My, my grandmother lived through the Tulsa riots. Wow. So, so not only was I given a lesson on Black Wall Street and the <laughs> black economy, but at an early age, I understand the importance of resistance and protest in order to achieve change. And that's what we're seeing today in Wisconsin, where exactly. people are protesting. Gwen Moore's legislative action was, in essence, a protest to the traditional way that utilities had done business. That with all of this, these these right away monopoly authority that they have directing that resource, you are in my rate dollars to the status quo. She came along and said, no, I'm gonna give you a lesson on how to properly distribute That's this right. power and authority that you have that changes lives. And, and by the way, the lives you're changing are also your customers. That's right. Absolutely, That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. So we know we could talk to you for a couple of hours. Absolutely. But I know that you are very busy. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. But what we are going to do is well, we are Gwen definitely- probably warned you about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> what we are going to do is we're definitely going to have you come back because okay. I think having a discussion about Tulsa and the Tulsa absolutely. riots and our history, it just better educates our audience so that they know because there's so much disinformation, misinformation that's out there and people do not know the reality of the experience of black people in America because this is our America. Yeah. yeah. Now, to that end, you know, as we move forward, we have a lot of momentum around diversity and inclusion right now. We do. It's just like unbelievable how much people want to know. And Ed, something that Ed said yesterday is like, I am not an African-American history dictionary. You need to do your own research. You, if you really want to know what's going on in our community or what's going on in our past, you need to do your research if you truly care. Just like you Google how to make a pie, Google all the other stuff that you want to know. <laughs> so we've been sending people here, but I think that we have such great resources that we want to share that. And you are definitely one of our resources. Absolutely. Thank you. So Absolutely. what past lessons do you believe we should utilize to push the message for diversity, specifically supply diversity forward? Well, um, boy, that's a really good question because America, you know, sometimes likes reading its own press and characterizing us as the greatest nation in the world, the, the, the place where justice can be achieved, the place where people are welcome from all over the world. And a lot of that is true. But that touting has a tendency to overshadow the dark truth, which is also an important part of this nation's dynamic history. So we have to, and you mentioned about you know Googling. One, Tom Joyner 
sponsored by McDonald's Corporation, by the way, mm-hmm. the, the great disc jockey, the commuting DJ, mm-hmm. said that Black History is 365 days of the year. Hello. Absolutely. That's right. We That's have exactly to push right. our schools to teach the history of this nation, which includes the African-American, which is fought, who has fought in every war, who mm-hmm. literally built the country, who, by way of Reconstruction, you look at that period of Reconstruction, W.B. Du Bois wrote an amazing book about it, up and until the early uh, turn of the century, our literacy rate, our economic achievement, the yes. creation of historical black college and universities. Mm-hmm. So the, the many great intellectuals that emerged like um, W.B. Du Bois and, and the Paul black Renaissance, Phyllis yes. Wheatley, I go on and on and on, yeah. Uh, we need to teach it. People need to understand it because why we have while we have the victimization and the murder of George Floyd, we also have an amazing history of resistance and, and, and victory within that resistance. And we have to balance between the two. So I think that to the extent that, you know, when we have opportunities in our gatherings and our various companies, and let me say this also, the great work that you and Edward and Mm-hmm. Emma Maxey and Joe Chow and Terrence Frierson and Geraldine and I can go on and on and on because I know it's not easy. I was a I was a member of corporate America for many years. <laughs> right. See, I, can, I can talk all I want as the former commissioner and now with my own practice, but once upon a time I had to check in like everybody else. Right. And I think right. how you navigate the ability to make change, having a strategy getting partners and allies in that strategy is critically important in the corporate environment. We still have, and I'm moving now into the area of workforce diversity Mm -hmm. as well. I'm I'm one of the co-founders of the National Utilities Diversity Council. You talked about a a national platform, which much of its focus now is also including workforce diversity. And it's, it's, it's important that we have you so that I or my clients can get business. Exactly. But in order to have you, we have to do a better job of helping, particularly the young ones that are coming into the utilities. Of, and that's where Abe comes in as well. But we have to have a better way of navigating them. And then it gets real transactional. It's your next performance evaluation, right? right. Okay. Exactly. It's how do you know when you walk into that performance evaluation, you've checked every box that you were told is part of your job description. Okay. So these things may seem, they say the devil's in the detail. These things may be very transactional. They may not appear to be as glossy and policy-wise as as I find myself in frequently. But these are the fundamentals. Yes. No different than sports. These are the fundamentals. The same in business entrepreneurship. Each of you have technical capacity programs. We have to utilize the technical capacity to really strengthen our businesses and put them in a better position to be competitive. I didn't allow people to use the word qualified in my office as a commissioner. That's because the only time you talk about qualified is when it comes to my people. Mm -hmm. There's an assumption of qualification for all the other businesses. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to minorities, well, are they qualified? No, it's not are they qualified, are they competitive? That's right. If they're not competitive, why? Mm-hmm. Where can we work to, with them to help them improve their competitiveness? Right. Okay. Like, right. like in this COVID crisis, just mm-hmm. the ability to operate Zoom and Microsoft Teams yes. and Blue Jeans, and yes. this is standard business practice now. It okay? is. Okay. 
and I have diversity officers tell me that they can't, sometimes they cannot get a firm on Zoom. You know, well, that that's fundamental. And I'd right. say to them, then what are we doing to train them? To help them. Mm -hmm. exactly. Are we engaging Microsoft? Are we engaging Google? Are right. we engage? These are opportunities for them Absolutely. to be participants in empowering diverse businesses. And by the way, employees as well. Absolutely. So uh, I think there's not now, but but at the same time, you know, we have to make certain that you have the support that you need mm -hmm. internally. Mm -hmm. And that's where commissioners come in. That's right. See, Absolutely. a lot of the things I say, I can't sometimes say if it's harming my client. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to be discretionary. Of course. Mm -hmm. And and the, the diverse businesses have to be discretionary. I remember a diverse business that came to a General Order 156 on bank and, you know, spilled the truth and they didn't get any more business. I had to get on the phone and call some <laughs> utilities and say, no, 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 That's we're, not gonna, we're not going to yes. have retaliation here. But exactly. see, you need, but you need commissioners that understand. And by the way, they don't have to be necessarily the African-American commissioner. It doesn't have to be Commissioner Randolph, but it could be. Right. But you have to have commissioners that understand that they can ask the questions that sometimes the businesses cannot. Exactly. They can ask the questions that even the diversity officers cannot. Yeah, that's right. You do have a commitment to the shareholder value of your company. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to in any way mitigate that. Mm -hmm. That's important. Mm -hmm. so, you know, utilities that have strong credit ratings lower rates because they're yes. lower cost of capital. Yes. I think sometimes the advocates well intended don't understand that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I always had an obligation to a strong balance sheet. For the, for the utilities that I regulated. I had an a, a, a obligation to their liquidity and their ability to go into it, to attract investments from around the world. Right. Okay, it's a global investor market. That's the kind of technical capacity training that vendors have to understand. They have to know the big picture. As some of you may remember, and I hope I'm not talking too much. No, 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 go ahead. We we started a general rate case class for diverse businesses when I was you a did. You did, I recall that, yes. We held one in Los Angeles and one in Chicago. Price Coopers, I want to give a shout out to them. Mm -hmm. Price Coopers came to my office and support, along with Southern California Edison, supported this idea that diverse businesses benefited from understanding the general rate case because the general rate case is where the money comes from. Exactly. And the money funds the spend. <laughs> exactly. So you exactly. better get in on that GRC in order, exactly. to, in order to direct the funds mm -hmm. to the expenditures that you're looking for. Well, I'm gonna tell you, Commissioner, former Commissioner, be prepared. <laughs> what you have shared, you're gonna have so many suppliers reaching out for you to be right. a mentor or exactly. you know, advocate for them because you are sharing knowledge with them that they don't have. And that they, you know, like we have a captured audience when folks listen to us. So they're gonna take the time for a half an hour and listen and when they get that information, they're gonna digest it and they're gonna reach out. So I will say thank you so much. I mean, that's our time. Thank you very much. So appreciate you taking the time Thank out of your you business. For this opportunity. We Thank so you. appreciate it. Yeah. The intent of this podcast, as you know, is to look at all diversity intersections and find a place where we can meet. And you thank you so much for meeting us at the diversity intersection and sharing knowledge for our suppliers and leading them to the path. Great. So Absolutely. thank you again Thank so you much. very much. 
thank you thank and you. Uh, continued success in your efforts and let's raise uh, Gwen Moore's family up in prayer Absolutely. Uh, yes. as we all go through this period of grief but also celebration exactly absolutely, absolutely.